Hi, and welcome to Better Than New, the podcast to help you find a cool used car, truck, or SUV at a price you'll love. I'm your host, Gary Crenshaw, and today is the second episode of my Little Weirdos 4x4 edition month-long special featuring four small, fun-to-drive and affordable used 4x4 SUVs from the 1980s and 1990s. That was a time when capable little four-wheel drive SUVs were just about everywhere. And one of the most well-known examples is the Suzuki Samurai, which I'll be covering in next week's podcast. There's also the Geo Tracker and its twin, the Suzuki Sidekick, which I reviewed last week. And even Dodge was in on the fun with its rugged Raider 4x4, which was actually a rebadged two-door Mitsubishi Montero. You'll be hearing more about that one in about two weeks here on the podcast. But today's little weirdo small SUV comes from a company most Americans have either forgotten about or they never knew that company sold cars here in the first place. And the company in question is Daihatsu. And the small 4x4 that they offered was the Rocky. Another sturdy body-on-frame SUV that's fun to drive both on-road and off. And I'll tell you why you might want to grab one, if you can find one, in just a moment. So hop in, buckle up, and let's go for a drive. First of all, I just want to say I'm happy you're joining me for this second part of my four-part look at the Little Weirdos 4x4s from the late 80s and 90s. And that term, Little Weirdos, is really a term of endearment for me because these small 4x4s are truly fun to drive and fun to take on backroad adventures as long as you don't have too many people or too much gear. These are great little 4x4s, but just like any small car, size is a limitation. Also, now that you're here, if you haven't already, please like and subscribe this podcast so I can keep bringing you reviews of cool used cars, trucks, and SUVs like these available at a price you'll love. Building a consistent listener base is really critical for me, so I'd appreciate it if you keep coming back for more. And that said, let's get into this week's episode. Now, I won't hold it against you if you don't remember the little Rocky SUV from Daihatsu. It wasn't as well known as some of the other small SUVs I'm telling you about in this series, and that's because it had a very short life here in the U.S., only being available for model years 1990 through 1992. But that said, the Rocky was an outstanding example of the small 4x4s available back in the 80s and 90s, and you should know about it in case you come across a good one when looking for a used car or truck. But finding one won't be easy. So Daihatsu's been making vehicles since 1907, and when the brand came to the U.S. market for the first time, it was quite well known for making small, affordable cars sold in Japan and other parts of the world. Toyota actually owned a large interest in Daihatsu when the company entered the U.S. market in 1988. In fact, Toyota owns the Daihatsu brand outright today. So if it's good enough for Toyota, it's probably good enough for most of us. But back in 1988, when Daihatsu landed on our shores, this little-known brand sold only two U.S. vehicles, the Charade and the Rocky. Now, the Charade sedan and hatchback were the company's original offerings, followed later by the Rocky, a small two-door 4x4 SUV named after the Rocky Mountain Range, not that Sylvester Stallone character in the Rocky movies, okay? And Daihatsu even made a point of clarifying this in their Rocky brochures back in the day to avoid any confusion and, of course, lawsuits. Now, it's been said that timing is everything, 
And for Daihatsu in general, and the U.S. version of the Rocky SUV in particular, that is certainly the case. First, the Daihatsu brand was launched here during a recession, and in the case of the Rocky, while it was a well-built, reliable, and outstanding off-road vehicle, and certainly one of the best examples of the small 4x4 sold at the time, it hit the market towards the end of that small, rugged 4x4 SUV era. By the early 1990s, while SUVs were growing in popularity here in the U.S., the sun was actually setting on the small body-on-frame SUVs like the Samurai, the Rocky, the Geo Tracker, and the Dodge Raider. These small, Jeep-like vehicles that put emphasis on sport and maneuverability over size and comfort were quickly being outshined by larger SUVs like Ford's Explorer and Jeep's Cherokee. While not as rustic and rugged as the Rocky, the more mainstream Explorer and Cherokee were still capable of handling some backcountry gravel road duty or traveling through mud and snow, and could serve as a family's only vehicle, with room to carry two adults and their kids in relative comfort along with all their outdoor gear. And while small SUVs would eventually become popular again, those future small SUVs, like the RAV4 and the Honda CRV, would be built on unibody platforms that offered a more car like ride, along with the convenience of four doors and full time four wheel drive. So the Daihatsu Rocky was, and still is, a really fun off road runabout for two to take on, say, a weekend backcountry adventure. And if you're single or a couple, you can make it work as your only vehicle, but fitting in a family of four plus gear, is pretty much an impossible task. Okay, so now that you know the caveats for the Rocky, if you can live with its size, let's get into what makes the Rocky a good, solid, small SUV choice. So while Americans eventually outgrew the small, rugged 4x4 era to an extent, these little off-road warriors never stopped being fun to drive, and the Daihatsu Rocky was one of the more enjoyable examples to get behind the wheel of, both on-road and off. Like other small SUVs in this month-long review, the Rocky tends to be highly maneuverable due to its short 85.6-inch wheelbase, which is actually a little bit more than 3 inches shorter than a 1990 Mazda Miata's wheelbase, just for comparison purposes. But the thing that made it even better was its wide track compared to the competition. At 57.9 inches, the Rocky had one of the widest tracks for small 4x4 vehicles in its class, and combined with an independent front double wishbone suspension, traditional leaf springs in the rear, and more than 8 inches of ground clearance, the Rocky actually offered reasonable on-road stability and comfort, along with impressively capable maneuverability when driving off-road. So, it was fun to drive, but like all small SUVs you're hearing about in this Little Weirdos 4x4 series, the Daihatsu Rocky wasn't exactly fast. Now, the engine motivating a 1990 Rocky was a 1.6-liter dual-overhead cam four-cylinder that made 94 horsepower at 5,700 RPM and 94 pound-feet of torque at 3,200 RPM when new, which is pretty typical for a similar-sized four-cylinder engine from that era. However, unlike most other SUVs in this series, the Rocky weighed in at about 2,800 pounds, which is at least 400 pounds more than last week's Geo Tracker, which also had a 1.6-liter engine that output 80 horsepower in the 1990 model, so about 14 horsepower less. 
Now, the only transmission in the Rocky is a five-speed manual with a high and low transfer case that offers two-wheel drive high for normal running and the ability to select four-wheel drive high and four-wheel drive low when driving on slippery surfaces like mud or snow. Now, considering the power, weight, and the five-speed manual transmission, I would expect zero to 60 times similar to or a little slower than the other 4x4 SUVs in this month-long series, and the times for those other SUVs, they were around about 14 seconds or more. That said, while I did find a few listed zero to 60 times for the Rocky online that ranged between 12 and a half seconds to 17.6 seconds, the only time that was part of a real world test was a 17.59 second run from zero to 60 from a test of a 1991 Rocky by Road Test Magazine. Now again, it's slow and I'll link to a video of that test in the show notes if you want to check it out for yourself. So the Rocky, while not exactly quick, was still stable and relatively comfortable on-road and maneuverable and fun to drive off-road. But what about features? Well, keeping with the nature of this rugged, Jeep-like small 4x4, there weren't a lot of creature comforts available on the Daihatsu Rocky when it first launched. Early examples were characterized by simple hand-cranked windows, manual door locks, and manual locking hubs that required the driver to get out of the truck to lock the front hubs by hand when using four-wheel drive. Now, that's not exactly convenient, right? However, over the course of the Rocky's short run, many of these issues were fixed on later examples with the addition of power windows and locks, along with auto-locking hubs. Inside, the front seats were manually adjustable bucket seats with a bench seat in the rear. Access to the rear storage area is through a side-opening rear door, not a hatch, with a spare tire mounted to the outside of the door. And storage behind the rear bench seat is quite small, but that small seat can be folded and tumbled forward for much more room in the back. It can also be removed altogether, but just make sure the Rocky you buy has a back seat. Many have been removed and lost over the years, and finding a replacement will be almost impossible, so make sure it has one. Now, the Rocky was offered in two trim levels, the SE and the SX. You're probably not going to have much of a choice since there aren't that many cars, but if you do, the SE is the base level interior with vinyl seat trim, and the SX is technically more premium with cloth seats or velour seating surfaces on the SX Plus model that also has wraparound bucket seats. In any case, it's not luxurious, but it's also not a penalty box, and I would say it's probably a slightly more inviting interior compared to some of the other small 4x4 SUVs of that era. Air conditioning was also an option on the Rocky, and it's really something I personally consider to be a must-have option today, certainly if I were buying one, although it's difficult to find on any Rocky. But if you've been outside on any of these, you know, recent temperatures lately, if you live down in Texas or Florida, you know what I'm talking about. So if you want AC, choose wisely, skip the examples that don't have it, but I personally recommend it. Finally, one of the things I really love about the Daihatsu Rocky that makes it stand out from some of the others in this class is that it came with two ways to get your daily dose of vitamin D. You know, sunshine. So all Rocky models have a tilting, removable sunroof section above the driver and front passenger seat. But in back, buyers had a choice of either a folding soft top or a hard top over the rear seats. 
The soft top could be easily retracted to provide ample sun for rear seat passengers, but if you wanted more security, you could get a Rocky with a hard top that could be removed for the same open effect as the soft top. But the cool thing was that these two top options were interchangeable. Rocky buyers could swap between the hard top setup and the soft top or vice versa. And if you're concerned about your personal safety with the top off, the front seat passenger and driver were protected by an overhead Targa-like roll bar that was part of the body structure of the Rocky, while the rear seat passengers had a small roll bar mounted behind the bench seat for passenger safety that also did double duty as attachment points for the rear seatbelt shoulder harness. Okay, so the Rocky's a cool little 4x4 SUV that today is pretty rare, so what should you look for when shopping for one? Well, I would say that you want to start with mindset, because while Daihatsu sold more than 7,400 Rockies over its three-plus year run here in the U.S., we're still talking about vehicles that are more than 30 years old from a manufacturer that hasn't had a dealer network here for almost 30 years. And it's likely that a majority of those sold are no longer on the road. I mean, these were inexpensive little cars. And, you know, once they get handed down through two or three people, four people, five people, they just become sort of a beater. So I'm assuming that a lot of these are left, maybe 2,500, 2,000, maybe less than that. So with that in mind, the mindset you need to take is that it's more likely that you'll stumble upon an excellent condition Rocky squirreled away in someone's garage than you'll actually be able to find one for a good price out in the wild if you're trying to search for one. Or to put it another way, you won't find an excellent Rocky. An excellent Rocky will find you. That said, here's what to look for when one actually finds you. First of all, you want to look for condition. You want one in excellent condition. You want one that's been garaged, that's had no accidents. It's got no rust. Don't buy something from the rust belt. Get something from the West Coast or from the desert Southwest that's been stored in a garage that hasn't been out in the elements, you know, covered with moss or drying up under the sun. You just don't want that. You want an excellent condition vehicle. You want one that's got minimal owners. One owner, two owners, maybe in a family, like three owners. But that's it. Minimal owners. You also want low miles. The less miles used, the better it's going to be, right? You want something that's been consistently maintained and serviced and has records to prove it. And you want one, finally, that has all the parts and pieces that came originally with the vehicle. That goes back to the bench seat I mentioned earlier. It goes back to the wheels that came on it. Don't get something that's got aftermarket wheels, looks different. You want to have something that's got all the parts and pieces that came on the car. And if they have a Monroney sticker, a MSRP sticker that came with the Rocky that lists all the things that came with the car originally, so much the better because you can go down the list and go, yep, it's got this, it's got that, it's got this. And you can just check them off and go. And of course, you want that air conditioning. So look for that. Now, what about price? Well, assuming you can find one, what should you pay? I'm going to be really honest here and say, I have no clue. I don't know. But there are some hints out there that you can follow. So when I'm not sure what the price is on a car or a truck, something that's older, something that's classic or near classic, I quickly check two places. Number one, bringatrailer.com. Number two, haggerty.com. Okay, so bringatrailer.com is an auction website. If you're not familiar with it, they run auctions for personally owned classic cars or near classic cars. And they typically have some of the best examples available that you maybe might find on eBay, but probably not. 
they're going to end up on Bring a Trailer, the best ones. So you go there, you type into the search bar, Daihatsu Rocky, and you see what comes back. I did that, and only one thing came back. It wasn't an auction. It was actually a review of a car that was for sale, I think, on Craigslist or eBay back in 2015. And it was a nice Daihatsu Rocky that I think, if I remember correctly, was about $7,800. It's not relevant today. It doesn't really help explain what prices are today. So there's really nothing there. So then I went to Haggerty.com. And Haggerty.com is the website for the insurance company, Haggerty. Haggerty also does valuations on their website for various cars and trucks. So I typed in Daihatsu Rocky under their valuation tab. And I came back with nothing. So what do you do next? Okay. Well, I took the cars on my list for the whole Little Weirdos series. Okay. So I checked the Geo Tracker and its sister or brother, the Suzuki Sidekick. I got nothing. I checked the Dodge Raider and also its, you know, sibling, the Mitsubishi Montero two-door. And I came up with nothing. And then I checked the Suzuki Samurai. I put in 1990 Suzuki Samurai. And guess what? It came back with a listing, a, a price on that. So the Samurai was the only thing that came back. And if you are not a member of Haggerty, I am because I have a car insured through them. But if you're not, you can at least get the current number three condition price for a vehicle. And number three is like a daily driver type of vehicle, you know, decent condition, not a show car, uh, not a wreck, something, something decent. Okay. And it came back with a price of $11,900. Now keep that price in mind as we move forward here. $11,900 for a number three condition, 1990 Suzuki Samurai. Again, it doesn't tell me what a Daihatsu Rocky is worth, but at least it's a starting point. So if those two things don't pan out, the next thing you want to do is a quick nationwide search. And to do that, I go to autotempest.com. You can search regionally. You can search, you know, within 500 miles or 1,000 miles. But I just do a nationwide search for something like this because there's not a lot of cars. There's not a lot of Daihatsu Rockies out there at any given time. So anyway, autotempest.com, select Daihatsu for the manufacturer, then select Rocky for the model, add your zip code, and then click nationwide, push the button, and you'll get a quick search of Craigslist, eBay, AutoTrader, CarGurus, Facebook Marketplace, all in one. Now, I did that and I found a whopping, wait for it, four Daihatsu Rockies. Okay, so here's the rundown. Um, and this was just in the last week or so, so, uh, you know, the second week of July. So the first one, one near me, eh, you know, about 100, 200 miles away, in Yakima, Washington, was $5,000. It was decent condition. Uh, looked like it was the original silver color. Photos weren't good enough to really give me a lot of detail, but it wasn't bad for just sort of a you know driver or sub-driver sort of quality. It's just something you want to knock around in, maybe go four-wheeling in, but, you know, not a show car, certainly. Um, anyway, 5K for that one. There was another one in Chandler, Arizona. Again, that was $5,000, but it was painted kind of a uh, I don't want to say army green, but kind of a khaki green. Had a little, you know, white star on the side to look like your army Jeep, but it's not a Jeep. So why did they do that? I don't know. Anyway, I'd be more inclined to get the one from Yakima, but that wasn't even great. So I would probably wouldn't do that. Moving on from there, uh, there were two others. Uh, one that was really nice. It was at a dealer in Denver, Colorado for, are you ready? $11,900. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Where'd we hear that before? 
oh yeah, that's the number three Suzuki Samurai price that was listed on Haggerty.com. So there's no way to really know what these cars are worth, you know, until somebody buys one from you. Then you know at least that person would pay that much for that car on that day, right? But in this particular case, I think they got the price straight off of the Haggerty website for the Samurai. Now, is a Daihatsu Rocky valued at the same as a Samurai? Well, that's a great question. The Samurai was a more popular car. I think it sold in greater numbers, although I'd have to double check that. But it certainly is held in higher esteem by Haggerty than the Daihatsu Rocky. In fact, in 2022, Haggerty listed it as one of their top 10 vehicles that's going to grow in value in 2023, or maybe in, in 2022. Anyway, I remember when that article came out, I saw a bunch of Samurais listed online for, you know, exorbitant prices, like, well, I've got a Samurai and Haggerty says it's going to be worth X amount of money in, you know, this year. That's not what it means, okay? Just, you know, get a grip on yourself. It means that it's more likely than some other cars, or they think it's more likely than some other cars to go up in value, but it doesn't guarantee an increase in value. What it actually guaranteed was an increase in asking price. So that kind of played out, and I think that sort of settled down a bit. I've seen some really nice examples of the Suzuki Samurai for a lot less money than that. So something to keep in mind. But there's no way to really run an equation and say, hey, that $11,900 Samurai is worth the same as this Daihatsu Rocky. There's no way to do that. But that's, I think, what they did in this case. Now, I will say this. The one that's for sale in Denver is a nice example. It doesn't have a back seat, and I wasn't really sure if it had air conditioning, although it had an AC button. They didn't list air conditioning as a feature available on their car for sale. So who knows, you know? I don't know. It might be worth looking at if you really just got to have a Daihatsu Rocky and you live in Denver. Go check it out. It seemed like a nice car. It was the best one of all the ones that I'd seen, except for the fourth one, which was at a dealership in Portland, Oregon. But it's $13,995 is the asking price. And it doesn't really count because it's a 1995 model, which isn't a U.S. model. It was a left-hand drive vehicle. I'm not sure where it came from. Maybe Canada, maybe Spain or Portugal or something. I don't know where they drive, you know, on the same side of the road as we do here on the right side. But it was a turbo diesel model. And it looks kind of the same as the U.S. model, but a little bit different. And it's been on that website for 261 days. So clearly $13,995 is not a price that people are willing to pay at least not in the last 261 days. So anyway, there's no way to really know what the prices are. It's kind of like, what does your stomach say? Uh, but if you're going to get one of these things, make sure you get one in the best condition possible because you can't run down to the local Daihatsu dealer and have service. You're going to have to use some mechanic. Parts will be hard to find. There are a couple of online part sellers that I came across I'm not 100% sure if they're still selling parts, but I will put a link to that in the show notes. But hey, it's still a great car and something that you should be looking out for. And if one comes your way and you happen to stumble across it, you know, you go to a friend's house and like, hey, you know, Uncle Charlie passed away and we've got his old, you know, Daihatsu Rocky here. It's got 10,000 miles on it and he never drove it. You might want to snap that up if it's a good price. It's like we're trying to get somebody to buy it for 5,000 bucks. I'd do that all day. That'd be great. I would definitely do that. Now, it's probably not going to happen, but like I said, I think if you find a good one of these, it's going to find you. You're not going to find it, okay? 
So that wraps up this week's Little Weirdos 4x4 edition episode on the 1990-1992 through 1992 Daihatsu Rocky. Another sweet little 4x4 SUV from the 80s and 90s that provides Jeep-like off-road prowess with a relatively cheap price, assuming you can find one. Now, like I said, I do like the Rocky, and I would buy an excellent condition example at the right price for me. But finding one like that would be like getting struck by lightning or winning the lottery. Of course, people get struck by lightning and win the lottery more often than you would think, so it's possible you could find one. You could find a really good one. Just keep your eyes and ears open, and a good one might drop into your lap if you're lucky. And with that, thanks for listening to this week's episode, and be sure to join me next week for another Little Weirdos 4x4 edition podcast episode on the Suzuki Samurai. Another great little 4x4 SUV from the 80s and 90s that does a pretty good imitation of a 7 8 size Jeep Wrangler. So be sure to check that out. And if you haven't subscribed to Better Than New yet, please do so so I can keep bringing you reviews of cool used cars, trucks, and SUVs available at a price you'll love. And until next time, I'm Gary Crenshaw, this is Better Than New, and I'm really glad you came along for the ride.